or actually, let me read it, and, and uh, then we'll pray. Um, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall, and he lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Lord, we believe this when the world is in an uproar. God, when there's unrest in the Holy Land. God, when people we know are there, God, we know, Lord, that you cause wars to cease. You bring peace. God, you can root out terrorism around the world. So, Lord, we pray, God, for you to be on the move. God, we pray for you to be at work. We pray that you would keep people safe. And Lord, ultimately what we seek, God, is peace and justice. Um, Lord, we don't know all the particulars, God, but we know it's a very sad situation. And so, God, we pray for your hand right there, God. You're the one who breaks the bows and the shields and the, all those things, God. So be at work. We trust in you. And we pray, God, not for a spirit of fear, um, but God, one that knows that you're with us. And so as we talk about prayer this morning, uh, Lord, may this just be a, a, another reason to cry out to you. Lord, may this situation be another reason that would compel us to get on our knees and pray without ceasing. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in the middle of a series on prayer. It was great to hear from Karma last week as she, uh, she preached on rejoicing. And um, we've been kind of walking through the Lord's Prayer out of Luke. And in Luke, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. They wanted to know, they wanted to have a prayer life like Jesus. Um, so they, they asked him, and Jesus gave them a very specific prayer that's actually supposed to form our prayer life. It's our starting point for our prayer life. So I'm actually going to ask if you would stand, and, and we're going to pray this prayer again together. Um, and and uh, this, this is the version in Luke, so it might be different than the one that you're normally used to praying. But we're going to go ahead and, and pray this in unison. I think there's something powerful about praying in unison. God, God uh, gave us each other, and we're, it, it's not just our own individual pursuit of God. There's power in the body of Christ. And so let's, uh, let's pray this in unison this morning. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. 
For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Amen. You can be seated. So Jesus gave his disciples these words. This was the model that he wanted his church to build their prayer lives around. This is the starting point. If you get up in the morning and you just pray these words, it frames your relationship with God. It's not about God accomplishing your will. It's about you living under God's will. And so it's such an important foundational prayer for all of us to grab a hold of. And so as we've continued through this series, we've also been going through a book simply called How to Pray um, by Pete Gregg. It's a great book. We'll keep recommending it. Um, And he has a a really helpful—it's just a tool. It's an acronym— P-R-A-Y, and so we've been walking through these, um, these different aspects of prayer. And P-R-A-Y stands for pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. And so this week we're going to talk about asking. Asking God for help. Asking God for help when we need it. Making those prayer requests. Um, because Jesus tells us that our prayer requests don't just bounce off the wall. It's not just to give us a little bit of assurance in a a crazy time, but that our prayer requests actually move God's hand. It actually moves God, and so they're absolutely important. We're going to look at the rest of Luke 11 today. We're going to continue on, because in Luke 11, Jesus teaches the disciples the Lord's Prayer, and then right after that, he talks about asking, asking for help. And so we're going to look at that, look at that today. Jesus tells us that we can actually make bold requests of God, unreasonable requests of God. And you might wonder, like, why does Jesus need to tell us to make prayer requests? Like, is that just a natural thing? But I wonder if he tells his disciples because they're just not doing it. Maybe they don't believe that making prayer requests do anything. I've heard people teach, like, Well, you know, God's going to do what he's going to do, so our prayer requests don't really matter. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what the Bible teaches. So I don't know what keeps us from bringing our requests to God. Maybe it's just fear that God won't come through. Uh, Maybe it's fear of the future, fear of our problems, and maybe this feeling like, man, ultimately I'm, I'm just on my own. You know, even if we believe in Scripture, we believe in Jesus— When it comes down to our current day struggle, maybe we're just feeling alone, like God's not actually going to respond. And so I've wondered if you ever have struggled with this question. Is God withholding from me? Is God withholding from me? Is God withholding grace? Is God withholding provision? Is God withholding healing? I think we've all wrestled with this question. And this is the question that Jesus gets at. Maybe you wonder, is God interested in my, in my tough situation, in my finances, in the drama going on in my family, in my health? And we can be so afraid that God is going to withhold from us, that he's going to keep goodness back from us. And this is kind of the spirit of the age. We live in a time where belief in God, not just the goodness of God, but God himself is at an all-time low. I just read an article by a gal named Kate Cohen, who is an atheist. Uh, She said that according to research in our country, uh, people who believe in God at all has dropped um, about 16% since 2002. Like, 
over a quarter of the country um, doesn't believe in any God at all. And we're just kind of going in that direction where it's not just, I don't believe God's good, I don't even believe in God's there. And so the question to, for you is, is if God is good and if God is going to help me, it might be connected to is God real? And so I just want to recognize that today. What are we talking about? And why is this story that Jesus tells so important for us to believe, internalize, and, and trust? It's a story about trust. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to go to Luke 11, and we're going to start in verse 5, read to 13, if you have your Bibles, and, and really, really ask that question, do we believe that God will respond to our requests? So let's, let's go ahead and read that this morning, Luke eleven five. It says this, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is Jesus' answer to our burning question, is God withholding from me? And it's really important that we understand what Jesus is talking about. Because is Jesus talking about giving us everything we want if we ask hard enough? Or is there another part of the story? Let's talk about the story. Jesus often taught in story, taught in parables. And here in this story, this, the, the center figure of the story is a man who's had a friend travel at night and arrive on his doorstep hungry and tired and needing a place to stay. And in this Middle Eastern context, showing hospitality was not just nice, it was required. It was absolutely required. If they, this man refused to show hospitality to a friend, it was equal to an act of hatred. There, were, there wasn't any fast food joints, there wasn't any hotels, it was, they relied on friends. And so hospitality is part of this sacred code of that time that he had to show hospitality to his friend. He had to open the door, and he had to feed them. Now, in this time, the way it worked out is you would bake your bread every morning, which, if you can just imagine the smell of that. Like, we wake up to coffee. Imagine waking up to the scent of baked bread. You know, just, poof, really nice. So they would bake bread every morning, and that would be their food for the day. So he has a friend come late at night. They've eaten the bread. It's gone. So what does, what does this man do? He goes to a neighbor's house, a friend's house, at midnight, and, and starts knocking on the door, talking to his neighbor. 
Um, he says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. Help me fulfill this sacred obligation of hospitality. I don't want to lose my friend. I don't want to bring dishonor to my family. Help me through this situation. Now, I don't know if you've ever been woken up in the middle of the night by like a kid or uh, just a, I don't, a neighbor. I haven't had neighbors wake me up in the middle of the night, mostly kids. I'm at my least empathetic when I'm woken up at like 1 a.m. Like I am a bear. I am not friendly. Bonnie isn't working with kids today, but you can ask her after. I'm not very friendly when, when woken up in the middle of the night. So this man is probably similar to me, and he's like, I know about this honor stuff, but get out of here. I'm trying to sleep. And the situation in that time, so we're talking about one-room houses, and the bed would be in the corner of the room, and the whole family would sleep on the same bed because of heat. They would, have a, they, they would have the bed, and then they'd have a charcoal stove, and that stove would be um, just giving heat to that one area, so all the kids would be there. This is a working-class family, so they've actually brought their animals in so they don't wander off or get stolen, so maybe some sheep are in there. And here you have a neighbor waking everybody up. Maybe, maybe a, a baby starts crying, you know. Uh, Taylor and Dakota are here with their baby, by the way. I forgot to mention that, but that is super exciting. Um, maybe a baby starts crying. Maybe a sheep starts bleeding. I mean, this guy's mad. He doesn't want to help. Forget Hebrew honor stuff, you know, like we're done. He's clearly annoyed um, by, by all that he has to deal with. He just wants the guy to go away. But the point of this story is that this guy, this main character, he keeps on asking. He is persistent. And Jesus uses this phrase that I want to hinge everything on today. This man makes his request with shameless audacity. Shameless audacity. He doesn't care what anybody thinks. He doesn't care how big the request is. He doesn't care the imposition he's created on this family. He is going to keep on asking. And the reason this man will give is not because they're friends, but just to get this annoying friend out of his house. One Bible scholar described the phrase this way, shameless audacity, persisting in the face of all that seemed reasonable and refusing to take a denial. This is how Jesus asks us to come to God the Father, with shameless audacity. Let me ask you, do you pray this way? I can, I can tell you, uh, do you pray nonstop? Do you pray relentlessly? Because I can tell you, those times for me are not as often as, as I would care to admit. Like, I'll pray, I'll go, run through my five minutes, and I'll be on to the next thing. But here, Jesus says we are to pray with shameless audacity. And I'll tell you as a pastor, I run into situations all the time that feel impossible. They feel overwhelming. Sitting with someone who's gone through a major trauma, sitting with someone who's feeling helpless, and sometimes good advice doesn't go very far. So often when we're we, we become overwhelmed by the trauma and drama in our lives. 
We become overwhelmed, and there's this temptation to figure it all out on our own, and that is called fight or flight. That's our natural response. We're going we're gonna to run or we're going to fight, but there's this other way. Impossible situations call for an all-powerful God. We can take that fight on our knees to God. We can take that situation and, and, and put it at the feet of Jesus, ask, asking for help, asking for breakthrough. So church, what I want to suggest today is we all need a little more fire in our prayers. We all need a little more shameless audacity. Great the great revivals of the 20th century started when people were relentless in their prayers. When they would pray and not stop praying. You may have heard of this. In 1949, there was a revival that broke out in the Hebrides. The Hebrides, that's not a disease. Uh, it's, it's a place in Scotland. It's a, hopefully I'm saying this right. It's an archipelago. Does that sound right? It's a group of tiny islands off the northwest coast of Scotland. And in this little backwater corner of the world, a massive revival broke out. So how did it happen? So first one Sunday, a pastor gets up in his parish church, and he calls out some problems. He says, hey, we have a growing carelessness toward public worship. Basically saying, we're all too apathetic. We all aren't seeking God enough. Like, let's start seeking God. And then he said, he was concerned about the young people, and he said, there's a growing influence of the spirit of pleasure which has taken hold of the younger generation. Like, we're not seeking God because we're too invested in, like, pleasure, serving ourselves, all the things, whether that's sex, alcohol, parties, food, whatever. Like, we're all just about our own pleasure. We're finding pleasure in the world instead of finding pleasure in the presence of God. This whole revival started with two ladies who were in their 80s. One of them was blind. And these two ladies committed to pray relentlessly. These two ladies committed to pray relentlessly. And they got together two days a week. It just started with two days a week. They got together to pray and to wait on God. And because of their audacity, God did some crazy, amazing things which I'm going to share later. <laughs> so, what if your shameless audacity in prayer could change a city? Right? What if, I don't know how different the Hebrides are from Blaine, Washington. Right? What if your shameless audacity could change a city? Jesus said it's because of the shameless audacity of, of this man that his friend would get up. Even if he's annoyed, he would act. Right? His request was granted. So Jesus is saying, hey, what if God is actually kinder than your grumpy friend? What if God actually wants to be nicer to you than your grumpy friend? What if God actually wants to come through and give you everything you need more than anybody else does? Jesus challenges us to push through all our doubt and fear and, and respond in trust to him. He says this, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks find, finds and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. 
God says, you have trouble, ask for help. You're overwhelmed, ask me for help. You need wisdom, you're trying to navigate some really difficult things in life, ask me for help. Seek me. Come to God with shameless audacity. Make big requests. I mentioned there's a lot of things that these words aren't about. And so I just want to mention, there is a movement in the church called Prosperity Gospel. Maybe you've heard of it. If I pray long and hard enough, I'll get this big, gorgeous mansion, right? I'll get millions of dollars. I'll get everything I want. That is not what this is talking about. And if you're listening to those people, you need to stop, okay? Um, Because that is not God's mission. God's mission is not to give you everything you want. God's mission is to get you on his mission, right? So that you would be on God's mission, not having God on your mission. This is the invitation. This invitation happens in the context of God's will. If you think about what, where this man was at, he wasn't asking for a bigger house. He wasn't asking for a million dollars. He was asking for his friend to give him what he needed to do what was required of him. And that's kind of this life we live with God. We need to ask God for the strength and the resources and the help we need to do the things that he's called us to do, right? Not the things that we want. It's not, it's not about our human will being done. It's about God's will being done. Still, as humans, we st- often we get in a spot where we still, when we encounter problems, we want to figure it all out on our own, Right? There is a big part of us, maybe, I, I don't even think this is American, I just think this is being human. We want to be independent, right? We want to be independent of other people's help. We want to stand on our own two feet. We want to do everything on our own without needing anything from anyone. But that's not the life that God invites us into. God invites us into a life of trusting him. God invites us into a hard life that's going to require his help. Life is just hard. All of us need God's intervention. All of us need to be dependent on prayer. Give us each day our daily bread. I don't know where it's coming from, but give it to us. Yet, we can be bad at it. We can minimize it. We can, we can try to just figure it out on, out on our own. And then when we run into trouble, think God is withholding from us. But that's not what Jesus is about. Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. I will give you what you need. As we sang, like, God is a good father. God will respond. I want to share um, this verse from Hebrews 4 this morning, because this talks about why we can be so, um, so bold in approaching God in prayer. This is what it says in Hebrews 4.14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So not only do we have a God that's ready to give us everything we need for the journey, we have a Savior who understands the pain that we've gone through. 
understands like the pain of humanity because he entered into humanity. It says, we have a high priest who is, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. There's a big difference between the word empathize and sympathize. You guys know this? Sympathy is like stuff I don't want. Like if I'm going through a hard time, and somebody who has no idea of my context or like what my struggle is comes to me and pats me on the back and tells me, oh, it's going to be okay. Like that's sympathy. And there's something that cringes in us. It's like, you just don't get it, man, you know? But empathy is like, I've been there. I know what you're going through. I know it's tough, but I know that there's grace on the other side. It's a huge difference. And because Jesus became a man and dwelt among us, he can empathize with us, not just sympathize, which most of us don't like. Because of Jesus, we can approach God without reservation. We can make bold requests. We can be shameless in our audacity. We can ask for unreasonable things, things that, that feel way too unattainable. And God will hear and he might not give us everything he, we want, but we know that when we trust ourselves to his will, he will give us the goodness of God. We will see the goodness of God in our lives. So getting back to Luke 11, this is, this is uh, my next point, is that God gives good gifts to his kids, primarily the Holy Spirit. You notice that it doesn't just stop at gifts in the end of that passage. In verse 11, it says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the, your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So he doesn't say, I always felt like that was kind of a twist at the end. It's like, where are you going with this, Jesus? <laughs> you know, it's like, he doesn't say the Father will give you everything you want or everything you need. He says, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. And we're like, okay, how does that help? <laughs> how does that help me? Could it be that more of the Holy Spirit is the best possible gift you could receive? More of the presence of God? Like, God gives good gifts, but the best gift is more of himself. Okay, so I want to go back to Scotland for a minute, okay? We're going to go back, and I'm actually going to read, the pastor there was named Duncan Campbell, and I actually want to just read, this is his account a few years later of what happened there in 1949 in these islands. He says, They had arranged for me to address the church at a short meeting beginning at 9 o'clock that night. It was a remarkable meeting. God sovereignly moved, and there was an awareness of God which was wonderful. The meeting lasted until 4 o'clock in the morning, and I had not witnessed anything to compare with it at any other time during my ministry. Around midnight, a group of young people left a dance and crowded into the church. They were people who couldn't go to sleep because they were so gripped by God. Although there was an awareness of God and a spirit of conviction at this initial meeting, the real breakthrough came a few days later on Sunday night in the parish church. The church was full and the Spirit of God was moving in such a way that I couldn't preach. 
I just stood still and gazed upon the wondrous moving of God. Men and women were crying out to God for mercy all over the church. There was no appeal made whatsoever. After meeting for over three hours, I pronounced the benediction and told people to go out, but mentioned that any who wanted to continue the meeting could come back later. A young deacon came to me and said, Mr. Campbell, God is hovering over us. About that time, the clerk of the session asked me to come to the back door. There was a crowd of at least 600 people <laughs> gathered in the yard outside the church. Someone gave out Psalm 102 and the crowd streamed back into the church, which could no longer hold the number of people. A young school teacher came down front crying, Oh God, is there nothing left for me? She's a missionary in Nigeria today. There was a busload of people coming to the meeting from 60 miles away. The power of God came into the bus so that some could not even enter the church when the bus arrived. People were swooning all over the church, and I cannot remember one single person who was moved on by God that night who was not gloriously born again. When I went out of the church at 4 o'clock in the morning, there was a great number of people praying alongside the road. In addition to the school teachers, several of, uh, several of those born again that night are in foreign mission work today. This is just... Oh, thanks to those two ladies who started this massive fire, massive mood, move of God. We may ask for a lot of things. We may ask for physical healing. We may ask for food. We may ask for clothing. We may ask for help to pay the bills. But what if the very best thing God could give his church was the Holy Spirit in abundance? What if we could just experience a drop of what they had in 1949. Just a drop. It would be amazing. See, without the Holy Spirit, we can be so fearful that the world is just falling apart at the seams. But are we praying in the kingdom of God? Are we praying in for more of God, for God's movement? What happened in Scotland there? Undeniably a movement of God. What happened in February at Asbury Seminary in Kentucky, undeniable movement of God. Ten days of worship, just nonstop, continuous, not led by anyone. It was incredible. And I think I have to ask, in our little corner of the country, could we just get a drop of what happened there? Just a little bit of God's outpouring. And to make it more personal, it took two ladies committing to, committing to pray for two days a week to, to just unleash the presence of God in a community. That could be you. That could be you, that God's calling to pray. So this is where I want to end this morning. In prayer, God wants us to move from being overwhelmed by our problems to being overwhelmed by his presence. God doesn't want to leave us in a place where we are overwhelmed where, where we have no, uh, where we feel stuck, where we feel frozen by what is going on in our lives. He wants to overwhelm us with his presence. That's where it starts. And he may heal, and he may provide, like I'm praying for $140,000. We're praying for manna to just drop from the sky, you know, just 
you know, maybe we'll walk outside and there's just be dollar bills floating for the building on there. I don't know. That might be prosperity gospel. I'll stop right there. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I'm not asking for a jet, you know. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, but, but uh, often God shows up in these huge ways, corporately, changes communities, which I pray happens here in our time, in our place. But more often, he shows up in little ways, when we're faithful, when we're personally faithful to pray, when we pray with shameless audacity, he is faithful to respond to us in the middle of our crises. So I've been asking for a lot of God's wisdom lately in a lot of different areas. One way I've seen he, him provide in my life is just around the, the, the work of reconciliation, of, of broken or hurting relationships, where I've prayed, God, I want to fix this relationship that's kind of broken right now, it's kind of fragile right now. Give me the words. And he's given me words when I've needed them. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know where you need God to show up. I don't know where, where you need just this amazing outpouring of the presence of God. But what I do want to do is challenge us to pray this morning. And I know not everybody feels like comfortable praying corporately. So all I want to do is I want to take this last part of the service and then Brian's going to come up and close us in worship. But just to pray with one other person. We're not going to make groups. And if you don't feel comfortable with this, you don't have to do it, okay? It's okay. Um, but if you feel comfortable, find one other person. It could be your spouse. It could be somebody else. Um, but just find another person to pray with this morning. Um, because this is where it starts. Like this, is, this series is supposed to be something you can take home. And so why not start right now? Why not we just take 30 seconds? And what I want you to do is just take 30 seconds, briefly share with someone, if you feel comfortable, hey, this is what I want prayer for. And we're just going to pray for like two minutes. And, uh, and then Brian's going to close us out in worship. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, and then you guys, you guys find, a, find a person and pray with that person. Lord, thank you so much, God for the legacy of the church in the Hebrides, for the way that you've shown up throughout the, the, the generations and centuries. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to seek you with shameless audacity, with just a relentless energy, God. Lord, if we're, and if we're tired, then give us more energy. Lord, for those who are hurting today, I pray for healing, God so that we can not be about our mission, but be about your mission. Be about what you want to do. Be about your presence. And that's what we want more of, God. We ask for that drop. God, we ask for that drop. We ask for that drop right here in our hearts, God. That you would just touch us this morning, fall on us, God. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We sing that, God, but do we mean it? Lord, we open ourselves to you. We open ourselves to the move of the Holy Spirit. We open ourselves to more of you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, take a minute and pray with someone this morning.